and every person we meet, every left, right, you know, north, south we take leads us to something we never would have done if we were just sort of head down, you know, moving straight along. My overall message when I speak to anyone is that life isn't dress rehearsal. Like, this is it. Like, this is your life. This is the only shot you get. Hey folks, this is Mark Devine with the Unbeatable Mind Podcast. Thank you again for joining me this week. I super appreciate it. I do not take it for granted. It's amazing. I know you're busy and there's about 100 billion podcasts out there. Uh, probably 100 billion new ones since last week. So it's cool that you found this and you're listening. And like I said, I super appreciate it. And um, if you want other people to find it, it, it is definitely helpful if you go to rate the podcast at iTunes. That way when people search for stuff that is similar, will pop up. And if you're not on our email list, please go to unbeatablemind.com slash podcast so you can put your name on our email list and we can let you know about all the cool training that we do and, you know, stuff like that. Uh, I'm really stoked today to meet um, Jenna Wolf, our guest. Uh, some of you might recognize the name because she's been in the public sphere as the lifestyle and fitness correspondent on NBC's Today Show. It's a huge show. She did that for eight years. Uh, she's got a new book out that we'll talk about, Thinner in 30, Small Changes that up, Add Up to Big Results in 30 Days. I'm excited to talk about that. And has uh, recently kind of branched out to uh, create her own show, um, which is going to be called The Jenna Wolf Show. So, Jenna, thanks uh, so much for your time. Super cool to meet you. Uh, how are things going? Great to meet you as well. Great. It's uh, it's busy, and I I finding that I have less and less time and I'm also finding that nothing makes me happier. So <laughs> you just, it's the, it's the way it's going to be for me. And I feed off of it. It's uh, busy yeah. energy. It's a lot going on. I've got two little kids um, who each have their own schedules and I got my own schedule and a partner with their own schedule. So it's wow. mayhem, uh, but it's beautiful chaos. I like controlled, to call it controlled chaos just in some degree, right? Because you're doing what you love. I mean, you you're in alignment, so it, it feels like you're probably flowing in spite of the chaos a lot of the time. Most days. Most <laughs> exactly. days. Exactly. Good for you. And you live in Manhattan. You just mentioned uh, how long have you been out there? So uh, everything NBC-based is centered around 30 Rock, which is uh, right here in Midtown Manhattan. So it's okay. much easier if you're working from here, if you live around here, because mm -hmm. Television is weird. You, uh, you know, you're there for a couple hours. You run off to do an interview. You come back there. You come back home, and you have to steal pockets of free time to come mm -hmm. home and like introduce yourself to your children whenever you get a chance. So for us, <laughs> we just thought it would be um, uh, much easier for us to live sort of close by work, um, yeah. and it's and it's paid off. But we've been here. I've been in the city, gosh, almost 20 years now, and okay. my partner Steph moved here from London uh, five years ago. I see. It looks like uh, from my notes from Allison that you actually uh, lived in Haiti and um, yeah. that you are, you actually weren't born in Haiti, were you? You were born in Jamaica. Yeah, I've kind of a little bit of a different upbringing. I was born in Kingston, Jamaica, and then my brother and I, we were raised in Port-au-Prince, Haiti. Okay. My dad has a leather manufacturing company in the Caribbean. Okay. And okay. so my mom and dad moved down to Jamaica to start the business when, and then had us, we were born there. And then the political straight, the situation got pretty bad there in 1979. And they moved us to what at the time was a very stable and calm yeah. island of Haiti. <laughs> little did they know. Which is anything happen. but. Right. Little, little, little did they know. 
And then in, um, in 1989, it got so bad. They overthrew the government. There was a coup and the, uh, these government, this government military force was basically looting everyone and looting the homes of anyone related to anything government related whatsoever. Wow. So we, we needed to get out pretty fast. Mm-hmm. So we basically left within a week after mm-hmm. being there, basically our whole lives. We left within a week and we moved up to Westchester, New York. So it's just about an hour outside of New York city in that, ninth like, grade. How did that happen? Well, how did you go from Haiti to Westchester? What was the link there? So my grandparents lived in Westchester. Oh. We didn't have much time to make a choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we wanted to go somewhere close to the only people really knew in the United States. So my, my dad's parents were in, uh, Westchester, New York, and we moved about 20 minutes north of there to Chappaqua, home of the Clintons, which okay. at the time when we moved, the high school was in the top 10 or something of the country. The irony is that in Haiti, we had like the worst education. I mean, it was as bad as you, it was like a freelance education. Mm-hmm. They basically were like auctioning off subject matter to anyone that wanted to teach it. <laughs> so my parents felt it was a good idea to send us to the most competitive high school, uh, just about in the country. So that was a culture shock for me across the board. I can imagine that, uh, was quite a transition. How old were you when that happened? I was, it was the end of eighth grade, beginning of ninth grade for me and for my brother, it was sixth grade. It was a lot easier for him. Right. He was a little athlete and never had braces and never had a pimple and always had great hair and <laughs> was very popular. I had the opposite of all of it. like anything that could make me seem like an after school special basically did like the <laughs> bad frizzy hair and the acne and the like, oh, you know, getting bullied in school and not knowing how to dress and having the wrong friends. And it was it was a really tough four years for me, but I was always very athletic. And in the Caribbean, being an athlete was was cool. It was in. You were popular. Mm-hmm. It was the opposite up here. So mm-hmm. I went out for every team and made varsity really quickly. And I was like the freak and the standout. So what I thought I was doing something good, finally, was still, you know, just more reason to get harassed by the rest of my, my high school mates. So it was a tough four years for me. Hmm. And what type of sports did you play that, that, that you liked and resonated with back then? So interestingly enough, I played uh, tennis in Haiti and soccer in Haiti. And when I came up, they only had in the fall, it was volleyball and like field hockey or something. And I'd never even seen a field hockey or lacrosse stick before. I never knew what that was. So that was a disaster. Mm -hmm. My tennis racket never made it up in the cartons. So I couldn't try it for the tennis team. So this one girl asked me to try it for volleyball, which... I said, if it's anything like basketball, I guess I know what basketball is. And I tried out and I ended up making the varsity team purely based on athletic prowess, not mm-hmm. on actual skill. But I learned the skill very quickly. I was always very, very athletic. So I played uh, volleyball, basketball and softball and a little soccer while in high school. OK. And then you went on to college. Where, where did you do that work? Then I went to uh, a state school. I went to Binghamton in uh-huh. New York mm-hmm. and I um, I played some more volleyball and right by about a mile from the the campus was an NBC affiliate with a big NBC peacock on it. So uh, a week into school there, I got on my bike and I biked down to the TV station and I basically knocked on the door and I asked for an internship. And they kind of laughed and explained to me that there are 75 steps to a process that I knew nothing about, which revolved around credits and English departments. And it was just words. (laughs) So I went to the English department. I basically talked my way in and kept doing that for, for semester after semester after semester, even though you were only supposed to intern one semester. Lo and behold, I found myself basically having taught myself to do every single thing at that TV station. So by the time I graduated, 
they had no choice uh, but to hire me. And I grew into myself and I got rid of the bad hair and the bad acne and the braces and all of it. And, and I turned into a, a little reporter who wanted to tell stories, but there was no news reporter job opening. Mm -hmm. So my news director said, look, I know you want to be a news reporter. We don't have a job for you. We do have a sports reporter job. Would you be interested in that? If people knew how they were just basically like selling or handing out jobs. Right. Uh, but I, it was funny. Uh, so I took it and I taught myself sports, even though I, I didn't, I knew how to play. I didn't know how to cover. Right. So that's what I did. That's really cool. So when did you first get this idea that you wanted to be a journalist? I mean, what, what compelled you to get on your bike and ride over to NBC that day? Uh, I was always extremely theatrical, always theatrical when I was little. Uh, I was in every play, I, but I was always athletic too. So I knew that I wanted to do something in front of the camera, mm -hmm. but I didn't have the family that you always hear about, like the Michael J. Fox family that like drove them to Hollywood so mm -hmm. that they could interview and all these, like th those weren't my parents. Like, mm -hmm. My parents were like, you're going to get a job. So get, get yourself a job. <laughs> so I felt like journalism was a respectable way to sort of harness my theatrics and um, and my my desire to be on television. But my English degree was also going to be a way for me to sort of tell stories and make it as reputable as possible. And then when I saw the TV station, I figured it was perfect. I, I How hard could it be? You tell some stories and you get to be on TV. That never made me nervous. Mm -hmm. It was the politics that ended up making me nervous, the working with certain people and mm -hmm. trying to navigate the very murky waters of this industry, which can be – it's far more complicated as you get closer to the Today Show than in this little first job that I had in Binghamton. Mm -hmm. But anyway, so I, I wanted to be a news reporter, but they didn't have it for me there and I wasn't going anywhere. So I became a sports reporter and I, I kid you not, I, I, I accepted the gig. I went home that night. I subscribed to sports illustrated to the, this new magazine that just came out called ESPN, the magazine. I don't even know if it's still in circulation golf digest and two others. And I figured I taught myself everything else. I'm going to teach this to myself. And I basically, I learned it. I learned sports. I, I read all the local papers and then I would just what, was read everything. Was it all everything. sports you had to cover or, or a specific, you know, range of sports? So it was, it was local sports, you know, it was sports in Binghamton, softball okay. games and the Binghamton Mets, the Mets double A team was here. The New York Rangers triple A AHL team was here. But I needed to have a foothold in this industry. If I was ever going to walk into a clubhouse, I need to understand how to keep a box score. And I needed to know the, a little bit of the history of baseball and a little bit of the history of hockey. And I didn't know any of it. I played it, but I didn't know it. I never grew up in this country. My dad never took me to games. So I was, I felt like I was at a disadvantage. I never went to a big school. So I was sort of at a disadvantage. I felt coming in. Did you have any mentors at the time? Anyone, you know, who was like, you could turn to and say, hey, what do you think about this or that? Or anyone you aspired to uh, be like? You know, I didn't have any mentors, uh, but I always loved, I don't know if you remember, Kenny Main used to work at ESPN. No. And he found a way to make sports funny and interesting. And he's this great dry humor at the time he did. He was hosting. Now he's doing sort of special projects. But I loved him and I loved that style. And I, it turned out I ended up being just like him. I used to, I sort of did the craft exactly like he did, but I wouldn't, I, I didn't get there right away. It took me years and years to get there. But in Binghamton, that's all I did was I watched, you know, you remember when Sports Center? I don't even know if it still does. It came on at 6 a.m. and then it kept repeating mm -hmm. all morning until like 11 or something. Mm -hmm. I watched every single one. 
what was I thinking? Every <laughs> single one. So but the, yeah, the so idea, the good. idea of making uh, sports a story and fun with it—is that where Jenna's beef came from? Because I, you know, yeah, so exactly. Okay. Like, uh, I just wanted to be funny. I just like these are grown men playing games. Like, let's all calm down a little bit. Like, <laughs> exactly. Right? Like, settle down. Like, you were a Navy SEAL. Like, that's real. Like, this right. was just like quick hit the ball and then run as fast as you can around those little bases. It's adorable. <laughs> so, like, everybody needs to just calm down a little bit. And I wanted to be funny about it, and I wanted to be witty, and I wanted to be able to make my mom, who has no interest in sports, interested in what I was talking about. Oh, so cool. if a guy like Chad Pennington played for the quarterback for the Jets, and he was out with a bad shoulder, I didn't just want to say, you know, Jets are going into this weekend's game against the Bills, you know, down a quarterback, but, mm-hmm. you know, whoever it is is going to step in. Like, my mom would never care. But if I told you how he hurt his shoulder and all of a sudden, like, a guy that never had any practice whatsoever was going to have to step off and imagine that guy how nervous, it would be like my mom, you know, getting the following three titles in in Mahjong and not knowing what to do with it. Like, I would make some ridiculous and people just sort of started tuning in and they kind of liked it and they had no idea what was going to come out of my mouth. And that turned into I did this little segment called Jenna's Beef, where anything that bothered me. I felt like I needed a platform to get it off my chest. Not like very little of it was sports related. One time I did a whole thing on almond butter. So, um, <laughs> but it was just my way of using my personality for something more encompassing and, and fun than, than only sports. Right. And I did that for a long time. I did uh, sports for 12 years before I got a call from the today show and ended up going over there. So did you bring that style to the today show? Were you, were you working on, um, athletics there or was it more of a general show so um i have to I really admit thought i'm I was, kind of ignorant because i don't watch tv so i don't think i've ever absolutely yeah no uh i you know i i, I was doing sports but i guess in the back of my mind i always thought that you know i was going to go back to doing news or doing something else it was never a hundred percent in my wheelhouse there was mm-hmm. always something a little bit off but then I sat down and I was at my, my station at, at, in here in New York right before the Today Show, the biggest local affiliate in the whole country, WABC. And I sat down with the general manager there and, and I, I said, look, I, I would stay here if you tell me there's a there's a place to go. I, I No woman has ever done Monday through Friday sports in New York City. No one. I want to be the first one. And he basically said it's never going to happen. He's like, this city's never going to have a woman do Monday through Friday. So in my head, I already left. Mm -hmm. So when the Today Show called, I was ready to start something new and go. And they didn't have any sports over there. So I was going to be like just a lifestyle correspondent. You Mm -hmm. know, I basically just cover fun, interesting stories in my fun, interesting Jenna way. I was doing the kind of daily show pieces the Daily Show now does. Right. You know, where I... I played to the camera. I played to the audience where we all knew something, but the person I was talking to sometimes didn't. I played off my funny questions. I did that jaywalking the way Jay Leno used to do that jaywalking on the street kind of thing with people. I just had a lot of fun with the tools that I was given, which was like a microphone and a brain and, um, you know, a work ethic. So I went to the Today Show and I said, this is the kind of stuff I do. And they never had anyone like it before. And, Uh um, it was refreshing and it was different, and I got to do some really fun pieces. So, what, what were some of the coolest things that you did um, while you were at the day show? I imagine you got to do some so, things that most people don't have access to. Sure, I went to space camp with Richard Branson, and oh, I played yeah. golf with Tiger Woods, and I developed uh, up at the Ben and Jerry's lab like my own ice cream flavor, and I went, <laughs> you know, 
surfing and I um, hung off the CN Tower and I went, you know, racing with Mario Andretti and I went jetpacking across, you know, down in Miami and I flew an F-18 with the mm. like Blue Angels from one Floridian coast to the other. I mean, every day was something crazy. The largest water slides, the largest roller coasters. It was one adventure after another. I mean, it was wow. it was crazy. I, I sang with Kenny Rogers. I was on a Broadway play with Matthew Broadwick. I did a Cirque du Soleil episode. I mean, you can't imagine. It was it was incredible. Recently, I went back to look over some old yeah. resume tapes I had. And I, I still, to this day, marvel at how much they either allowed me to do or dared me to do. But it was really great. And I ended up hosting the weekend show with Lester Holt. Hmm. Um, and that ha- reined me in a little bit. And I had to be a little bit more serious because we were covering sort of news of the day. Mm-hmm. And then I got to tell you, you know, we change as people. We we think we're on this path. And, you know, society tells us that we have to have, you know, where are you going to be in five years? Where are you going to be in 10 years? Map mm-hmm. it out. What's your goal? Where are you? What? Show me the path. Put your blinders on. Move forward. But it, it takes a strong kind of person to allow life to shift you left and right off your given path. Mm-hmm. And if you are smart and brave enough, fearless enough, ballsy enough to allow life to push you left or right, you could experience things you never would have experienced and meet people you never thought you'd meet. And you know, mm-hmm. if you're fearless enough to take chances when a crossroads truly hits you in life and not just stick to your nine to five because it's safe, mm-hmm. you know, you win. Whether you're successful or not, y- you win. Mm-hmm. And I was at the Today Show a long time and I, and I was really into fitness and I'm really into working out. I mean, I was eight months pregnant and I was on The Biggest Loser as like a, a trainer, as a, you know, celebrity trainer. And I was, working out the day the baby was born, you know, and I was training clients and uh, I was the fitness correspondent on the Today Show. I mean, I was really, really into it. And then I think I outgrew it. I think Mm -hmm. I outgrew the Today Show and felt like I needed a bigger box and they had me play within the lines. And I just, I wanted to color outside the lines just once in Mm -hmm. my life. I wanted to be able to go out and do something without a safety net Mm -hmm. because that's the scariest and the most rewarding thing you can do in life is to be able to do something without a safety net uh, at any age, much less when you turn 40. So in November of last year, I left the Today Show. And it was a crazy decision, right? It was sort of nuts. That was a surprise to them too, I imagine. Had you had conversations about it? Or was it just something you just went in one day and said, you know what, I'm done and uh, I'm going off to do this new thing? No, it was a little bit of both. I mean, I was no longer working weekends and... I was still sort of under an anchor contract, but I was just Mm -hmm. reporting out, just doing the fitness stuff and I wasn't doing a ton. And they wanted, they came to me about maybe sort of redoing my contract. And I was like, well, I don't even know if I want to redo my contract. I'm not even sure if I want to stay. And one thing led to another. And I was like, maybe this is, maybe this is that thing I talk about. Maybe this is that sort of sign from above that my crossroads that it's time for me to do something else like I could fight this and rework my contract and then what what am I doing the same thing I've always done Mm -hmm. but I'm I'm going to take my own advice the thing I motivationally speak about and I am going to make a left and let's see if it was right you know life Mm -hmm. is sliding doors and every decision we make and every person we meet every left right you know north south we take leads us to something we never would have done if we were just sort of head down you know, moving straight along. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, when I have, um, when I do my trainings, you know, this is one of the things that we do is help people try to find their 
what I call their their personal ethos, which is a combination of a, a deep self-awareness about who you are at this point in your life, and then a clear vision for a future that's possible, right? So in between those, that set point and that vision lies your potential. And it leads to some some big shifts in folks. And so they, they then they're like, get all excited to go blast off like you just did. But then they come to me and say, oh, my God, you know, I've got a wife and two kids at home. And, you know, I'm really kind of addicted to this steady <laughs> income that's coming in. What do I do? So how, how did you deal with that? Because you got you had two kids and they were young and, you know, you had a household to maintain. And that's the yeah. challenge that a lot of people have when they're facing these types of changes. You know, they want to do sure. it, but then they're pulled back by the American lifestyle, which says, you know, you got a mortgage and you got a car payment and this and that and the other thing. And, oh, by the way those costs have gone up considerably in the last 10 years and purchasing power has gone down. And You know, you know the story. Look, I, I will say I'm very, very, very blessed that because I left in the middle of a contract, I, I was still able to keep my salary and keep my, keep some money coming in when I left early. So I was able to play around for a few months where I know a lot of people don't have that opportunity to, right, right. um, but at the same time, you know, it's, and I fully understand that. And look, I, it's, you're a hundred percent right. That's exactly what it's all about. But then you hear these stories of the folks who, you know, you, you gotta sort of, you gotta gamble big to, to win big. Mm -hmm. And, um, sometimes you really do have to take a chance if you truly, truly believe in it and you know something is, is right and is going to work out. And, you know, you've got the work ethic to do it. I'm not ever saying to do it when you have a, you know, when you're you're solely responsible for your family and for food on the table and, and for a roof over your head, it, then that's not the right time. Mm -hmm. But you have to know when the right time is. This was the right time for me. I knew I, I was still going to get paid for a while. I knew that I had an opportunity to do something a little bit different. This was my time. Maybe, you know, a couple months down the road, it wouldn't have been or a couple months before it wouldn't have been because I I would have had other things to have to factor in. Right. But if that's the, you know, there'll, there'll be a right time. You'll just know it. But you have to have your your eyes wide open to be able to recognize it when, when it comes. Right. And, you know, what I, I like to also say is you can be working toward that. You know, don't don't pretend that you're not going to do it just because it's not the right time. But start, start working toward that and you can, you'll accelerate the time that's right. Does that make sense? Yeah, so like, absolutely. Like, you know, one guy, one one friend of mine, or now he's a friend, but he was a client at the time, you know, wasn't willing to leave his uh, day job, but he did come up with the idea of starting a fitness training program, you know, and, and he really liked the idea of doing character development. So we called it CrossFit Honor. And, and the next thing you know, you know, his wife and kids are having a great time building this community uh, through this CrossFit gym. And all the while, he maintained his steady income. And so he got, you know... He, he had a win-win to the point where he realized he didn't have to leave his job and he was getting all his needs met and having a blast with this, Love that. That, you know, this, this appendage that they had created, which added a lot of meaning to their lives. So that's great. Yeah. So there's a lot, um, a lot of ways things can play out, right? You know, the, the point is to be open to it and to, to tap into that intuition that lies inside of you, you know? Yeah. Look, it, none of this is easy. It's not, you know, I, I wrote this book about, about change because I was so, I just inundated by people who kept saying, well, where do I start? Well, how do I do it? Well, I'm too overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. Well, I just, I'm too old to change. I'm too tired to change. I'm too busy. I'm mm -hmm. too this, I'm too that. And I, I figured, you know, why is that? Why are we so 
stuck as adults where it's so incredibly difficult to change our course. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because change is overwhelming and people feel they need to go from zero to a hundred and they need to change everything because right. making small changes is not, is not going to make you sort of net the results that you would if you were on, you know, six episodes of the biggest loser. Mm -hmm. So I took the word change and I looked at it and I looked at it and I chopped it up into 30 different pieces. And if I hand you one small piece every day where on day one, you just do this, mm -hmm. then on day two, you do these two, then on day three, these three, then maybe suddenly it doesn't become so overwhelming and you're able to incorporate little things into the life you already lead. So sure, that sounds fantastical. So how does that work? So I took my mom as the perfect example. Like I, I start most of the chapters with this ridiculous conversation with my parents, like <laughs> the fact that I walked in on my dad one day eating nuts right out of that like trough like that horse's trough of a planter's container <laughs> and i was like what dad what are you doing he's like what do you mean i'm like well how many nuts are you eating he's like how bad can this be they're so light look they barely weigh anything i was like wait a minute my dad is a very intelligent man like does he honestly truly believe that calories are based on like weight i was appalled <laughs> i was like all right this needs to change immediately so I ended up writing this book and I gave you and I took everything I know about health and wellness and, you know, uh, soul searching and sleep and rest mm -hmm. and, and all of it. And I broke it down into 30 little pieces. You know, on day one is water. It's drink 20 sips of water as soon as you wake up in the morning. Mm -hmm. You know, that's easy. Anyone can do it. Every, everyone, right. both genders, any age, wherever you are in life, 20 sips of water. That's it. Let your body's dehydrated. It'll just it's the first thing to get you started. That's all you do the rest of the day. Day two is the water plus whatever, walking, you know, walk mm -hmm. a certain amount of steps. Day three is the water, the walking, and then I think I give food diary, like whatever it is. But they're small things, and if you really follow them, you know, That's you can start place. watching your life change without someone taking a Mack truck to your face and being like, change! <laughs> so... That was sort of the impetus to, to writing that book yeah. and sort of pushing that message across. And I do a ton of motivational speaking because I really enjoy getting through to someone. I enjoy, you know, w when when I see the look on their face, when they finally get what my like overall message is. My overall message when I speak to anyone is that life isn't dress rehearsal. Mm. Like this is it. Like, this is your life. This is the only shot you get. You get one body. You know, you don't, you don't piss it away. And then when you wake up and you're 70, you say, Oh, let me get the last 10 years back. So I'll lower mm -hmm. my cholesterol that way. No, instead you're taking 20 pills or, you know, knee replacements or, you know, your, your heart disease or whatever it is. Like, this isn't the preview to the main show. This mm -hmm. is the show. Right. And I love when people finally get that. Like, you don't have to start on Monday or on the first of next month or on the first of next year. Start with your next meal. Start with your next piece of activity. Start with anything that is going to help you and make you a better person than you were yesterday. Right. And it's it's small little things that make a big difference. No, I agree with that. And those small, you know, it's just like the metaphor of a ship sitting out from San Diego to, you know, Honolulu. <laughs> One degree shift is going to put it up in Alaska, you know what I mean? So if you could right. do, if you could do 1% a day, even if it's just one thing, you know, and you did one thing for 30 days, it's going to have a significant impact in 30 years. Absolutely. So Absolutely. I love that. I Absolutely. think that's terrific. What what is number 30? <laughs> so you get to 30 and you're like, I'm doing 29 things. I hope the 30 right. isn't going to crush me. <laughs> so 
Number 30 is, is easy. Number 30 is to look in the mirror and to sort of take stock in what you've just oh, done cool. and to appreciate yeah. it because we just want to go to the next and the next and the next. But yeah. I need you to stop and look at yourself and say, I did this. I did this. I, I can that. do anything, right? If I can take care of myself and fix myself and make myself the best self, there's literally nothing I can't do. The worst that could happen in life is people say no. But you say yes to yourself and you'd be surprised how far you can come. Yeah, I love that. So often people just focus on the negative, focus on the things that aren't working, focus on the things that they don't like about themselves, and then they become obsessive. And that we call that feeding the fear wolf. And if they it's, just take a moment to feed the courage wolf and realize, hey, you know what, I'm pretty dang good. Yeah, it could be better. That's why I'm working on it, but I'm still pretty darn cool. Yeah, you know? absolutely. I only publicly support companies and products that I personally use and have found valuable. So I wanted to tell you about Qualia. Now, I'm not a supplement geek. I don't find them useful if I'm fueling properly. But when it comes to my cognitive strength and brain health, I am excited about the emerging industry of nootropic supplements. I've been testing Qualia, designed by my friends at the Neurohacker Collective, for several months now. And it's on the bleeding edge of nootropic research and has become the one supplement that I won't go without on a daily basis. Qualia stimulates what's called broad-spectrum cognitive enhancement, which involves optimizing multiple cognitive variables simultaneously rather than focusing on a single variable. For example, it brings me greater ability to focus and makes me feel more connected while not diminishing my overall awareness of the environment. I experience a systematic enhancement of my brain's ability to take in and process information without any stimulating effect, which would make me feel agitated like caffeine, or depleted after the effect wears off. Now, for a busy entrepreneur and athlete like me, it's a no-brainer to invest in my brain health with Qualia. You can get on the Qualia bandwagon with me by visiting neurohacker.com, that's N-E-U-R-O-H-A-C-K-E-R.com, and use the code UNBEATABLEMIND15R, that's UNBEATABLEMIND15R, to get 15% off the life of your order. Trust me on this one, you won't be disappointed with Qualia. How much of this did they ever, I don't even know if you ever want to talk about it, but I mean, how much talking did you guys do in the, in this, when you were a SEAL? I mean, did you ever stop and sit back and analyze like what you were doing and what it was all about? Or was it just every day get up and you had a mission and you was just go, go, go? There was a lot of self-reflection. I mean, the SEALs are very, very intelligent individuals. You know, you, you don't get into that program unless you're very fit, very intelligent, and very creative, like a MacGyver type. And so most of the guys, I mean, there's there like the 10% rule where you're like, how did that guy get through? But most of the guys are very self-reflective and very willing to have dialogues about these types of things, you know, the meaning of life and, and positivity. And, and we didn't allow any negativity on our teams because, you know, we understood that negativity destroyed performance and we had to stay, you know, so the, so the person who was always like, you, you screwed up, you know, and, and, but didn't offer to say, okay, I did screw up, but what's your, what's your resolution? What do you offer to me as a way to improve myself? Right. So if you didn't have an offer, then that was no good. Right. So mm -hmm. anyways, it's, it was really interesting. It's a special breed. Um, it's one of the reasons that I, I kind of created Seal Fit and then Unbeatable Mind is to, to, to bring some of that mentality to the general public. Uh, and we weren't afraid to have like what I call brutally honest conversations, you know, the, the kind of heartfelt conversations that women usually have, we're having as men, 
And most guys uh, don't go there, as you know. But we had to go there because I'm trusting my life with these teammates. And I'm willing to lay my life down for them. And so, you know, it, it got pretty intimate at times in terms of, you know, what we're willing to share and hold each other accountable without fear that we were, like, crossing the line and going to hurt someone's feelings. Because, you know, the whole team and mission accomplishment in our lives depended on it. Anyways, I went off on a little riff there, didn't I? Sorry about no, that. I'm, I'm fascinated by it. I, I always have been. I'm... uh I, I, I'm in awe of, of the seals and of what you're, um, asking your mind and your body to do under the conditions that you're in. And it takes a certain breed to be able to do it. I'm yeah. beyond in awe of, of what you did and why you did it. So, I mean, thank you, obviously, but also my kudos and, and all of it. Yeah. When uh, did you, when were you done? I finished up in uh, November 2011, so after 20 years, half of it reserve, half of it active duty. But the interesting can thing... I, I'm, oh, go ahead, can, yeah. I know. I'm sorry. I'm asking you questions because yeah, I also you. have a live stream and show, and I ask questions every day. But I'm going to ask you like two more questions, and then I promise I'll be done. And I don't know how many of your guests ask you questions. I don't think anyone um, has, actually. So this is the first. Who are Go for it. <laughs> as far as training goes, I don't want to know about actual... I mean, you can tell me anything you want, but what, what was the hardest thing that you had to do as far as training goes? Like how bad really was it? Was it as bad as we all think that it really, it, that, that it is? You know, the training for me, it was just the relentlessness of it. Right? So yes, day in and day out, we had to run and the running was gut wrenching and we had to do the obstacle course. And, and we had every time we did the run, the obstacle course in our two, three, four mile time swims, we had to beat our times, you know, from the week before. So that was challenging. Give me, Break it down. Give my give me an example. So you wake up at what time? Oh, what? A zero four hundred, and we'd be on wow. the line at zero five hundred for a timed run, five mile time run on the beach. It's still dark out in Coronado. The really low tide. They would time it so you know the beach was pretty firm. And then you know it's balls to the wall, gut busting five mile time run. And then you you know then you run to breakfast. And and back in our day, the chow hall was a mile away. So. Just running to and from breakfast, lunch, and dinner put an extra six miles on our legs every day. Oh, my God. And so then it just rolled from there. It was like after breakfast, you know, then, you know, we had uh, another physical evolution, then a class, and then maybe another physical evolution, then lunch, you know, and then maybe a class, and then maybe some skill development, you know, like, you know, because we, we had to learn the basics. It's basic underwater demolition seal training. So we were learning the basics of you know, how to be very comfortable in, on, and under the water, the basics of how to use firearms and demolitions and and be a, a, a really good teammate. And then, you know, after that, we go into the advanced training, and you do it all over, but you do it with your team at a more advanced level, crawl, walk, run. But like back to your question, it, it kind of ties into your book, you know, small change that had a big results in 30 days. Like, you know, people think that SEALs go from zero to hero, or you just got to be this super stud to be a SEAL. And the point is that if you decide you're going to be a SEAL, just like if you decide you're going to be an optimal weight and healthy person, then it's just a matter of showing up every day and doing the work. And so you take it one day at a time. So for the SEALs, this one, it was just one day at a time for six months. And then when you, know, you hit the really hard evolutions, like the, you know, that you're doing that five or six mile ocean swim, then you, know, you got to break it down into smaller chunks. Right, cause that, you did a six-mile ocean swim? Yeah, yeah, and I won it. it was six like miles? Part, part of what we call the Waterman's Club, for whoever wins that race. And um, it was really enjoyable for me because that was where I got into, you know, I was pretty 
at, at a young age, I had learned through my martial arts training how to really control my breath, control my mind, control my emotions, and so you know became the foundation for what I teach today in terms of developing mental toughness and resiliency. And so I just immediately, within 20 minutes, I got into a flow state, and my my swim buddy and I were kind of facing each other, and we're doing the combat side stroke. We we just like literally cruised for three hours without you know without even a pause or any break in our rhythm. It was fantastic, and we, you know, we beat everyone else by about forty-five minutes to an hour. So we just got completely in the zone and just that's, kind of kick, stroke, and glide for, for three. That's days. incredible. That's incredible. Um, and my last question to you: How hard was sort of returning to your regular scheduled program after you left? Because you, your mind and your body were in a state that mm. is incomparable to anyone in our lay society. That's a challenge for all SEALs. Like that, a lot of SEALs get out and they get back in because they're like, they're used to the constant change and the challenge and the, a level of accountability, a level of accountability, challenge and risk that is very unusual in our society. And you get, I would say, almost addicted to it or, or at least used to it. So then you're right, the transition can be a challenge. And the way I dealt with that is to get to become an entrepreneur. I said, well, what's the closest thing to being a SEAL in the civilian world was to go out and start a business and start every day with a blank sheet of paper and to figure it out. And then the, the second part about it is I knew that because the physical, physical mental training was such a big part of the SEALs that if I stopped that, then I'd be, I really would, you know, I'd be really missing a big part of what I was meant to learn and, and that the SEALs brought me. So I maintained my, my training program. And then I, continue to evolve it, right? And so that, and then that became my business. So I actually, you know, never really left. I mean, I left active duty, but I continued to train SEALs and to be involved in the SEAL community in that regard to help, to help people prepare mentally for it. But, you well, know, that, I would, I would love to, next time I'm out your way, you and I are going to work out and then you are going to just give me a, a mental workout as well when we're done. Day. I'm fascinated by all of this. Yeah, just absolutely it. fascinated. So I, um, started a live streaming show, aptly okay. named the General Wolf Show, and it's basically a collection of all the most interesting people that I know that I've ever met, that I've ever come across, even people I haven't met yet, mm -hmm. singers and comedians and nice. actors and just regular people, anyone with an interesting story to tell. Whereas other places they can give you like three minutes, I can give you like a half hour. And I'm dive in, I dive in head first. Cool. I swim around in all your storytelling and I help you tell the best parts of it. And I just, I want to hear about it. I want to talk about it. I want to have great conversations and it's cool. on daily live across Facebook and Twitter and Periscope. So if you ever come through New York, Mark, you're my guy. You got to come do down. It. I feel like I was just on a micro episode of the Jenna show. I know. Let's do it. Believe me, <laughs> uh, we would have dug in so deep. I'd have you out be doing like laps around my building. I would have gotten really specific. That's cool. So we kind of probably should wrap things up here, Jen. I know you got things to do and, you know, a life to get back to and probably kids kicking at the door. Tell Crazy. Us, so, so when does your book come out, The Thinner and 30? So it did. So my book came out oh. earlier this year. So it's out and about. So head out and grab it if, if you're looking for a, a reason to change. And I, it, I really tried to make it as funny um, and as entertaining as possible because sometimes is it geared toward women or is it for general readership? No, it's geared towards anyone. Okay. So the producer of my show now lost 35 pounds because he took two chapters. He just took two changes and implemented them. Nice. No simple carbs after six and um, half your body weight in ounces of water every day. Nice. And out of the 30 changes, he took two. He lost 35 pounds. 
Terrific. So it's for anybody. It's right. uh, changes all around, you know, and even mm-hmm. if it's a mental change, you're not looking to lose weight. Like this is for you. So check yeah. it out if you can. Okay. And the um, Jenna Wolf show, we can find that just by going to Facebook and searching for it. Yep. It's uh, it's uh, every day live. I mean, mm-hmm. it's there on Facebook live, uh, 11 to three. And it's fun. And some, you know, we're going, we just started. So there's some bumps and bruises mm-hmm. and where we end up is not where we are, but right. you know, Simon and Garfunkel wasn't, weren't Simon and Garfunkel when they first started. So, <laughs> right. um, but it's a new venture. It is uncharted waters. Live streaming content is not very organized right now. Mm-hmm. And we want to get in while, um, we have a chance to, to be on the forefront of something. And it's where, where else? In this grand, vast world of technology, can we jump onto something that hasn't really been figured out yet? So that's what we're trying to do. So call in or write in or come to New York and come visit us and hang out with us and come share some stories. And you do the same, Mark. Yeah, definitely. I will do that. I, I'll have Allison follow up. That sounds like a lot of fun. I'm from New York. I live, you know, my family, my family of origin, I should say, is upstate New York near Lake Placid. And so I'll definitely be back there. Nice. Awesome, Jenna. Well, thank you so much for your time. It was super cool to meet you. I look forward to uh, doing so in person and doing some training together. And good luck with everything. And for all you folks out there listening, please check out the book. I'm going to get it myself. It sounds terrific. And um, go check out the Jenna Wolf Show on Facebook and everywhere else it's streaming and uh, we'll, we'll uh, connect again with you, Jenna. That sounds, uh, it sounds uh, like a lot of fun and we're going to, we're going to do some stuff together and we're going to help people get healthier and uh, improve their lives and change the world. How's that? Sound? Sounds so good. Thanks for having me. Oh yeah, Jenna. All right. Take care. Take care, everyone. Thanks a lot. Stay focused, train hard, have fun and uh, do the right thing. Get up and do the work every day. Hoo ya. Coach to mine out. Boys, time to explode, boys. Make sure you get home, boys. They got your back, the pride of the fleets, the bright swinging frogmen of the UDT. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com records.